Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. My name is Alex Rosa. I'm the pastor of student ministries here at New Life. And as you can tell, I'm not usually up on this stage. I generally speak once a year, giving the pastors, Pastor Mark, Pastor Brad, and Pastor Chris, a little week off after Christmas because it's so busy then. So if you're a first-time guest and you're wondering who I am, that's why. I mean, if you are a first-time guest, I want to encourage you to continue coming back every week because our pastors are amazing as a, at what they do. They, they get to share God's Word in such a powerful way. And I'm excited today to be able to do the same thing, to, to share what God has been doing in my life and on my heart. But before we get into that, what we do at New Life Students is with every first-time guest, we give them a round of applause just to welcome them. And I know for a fact we have some first-time guests here today, so can we just welcome them with a round of applause, thanking them for being here? Yeah! Thank you so much for coming today and making this time a time with us and with God. We hope that you feel welcome and at home. We've been play, praying and, and planning for you to be here and are just so thankful that you decided to join us today. Now, whether you're a first-time guest or you've been here a lot and just don't know me very well, I thought I would start by just sharing a little bit about myself. And I do that because whenever I'm hearing a speaker for the first time, I like to know a little bit about who they are. Feel, it makes me feel more connected, like we're just in a conversation instead of someone talking at me. So I thought I'd begin this way. First of all, I am married to a wonderful, beautiful, talented woman. She was right here singing. She has a voice like an angel. And I have a seven-month-old son who is very adorable. And he's been in the nursery all day, and he's been doing a great job. So praise God for that. And I have a picture just to show you right here of my wife, Rachel, and my son, Ezra. You can, yeah, you can, oh, that's, yeah, oh, you can clap. Oh, wow. I will relay the message to Ezra, and he will appreciate it greatly. So thank you so much for that. So that's a little bit about what my life has been like for the last seven and a half months or so. Pretty crazy, pretty amazing. Other things about me. I love comic books. So if you enjoy comic books and would like to get in a long conversation with me about superheroes, I would love to do that. Maybe not right now, unless you can figure out a creative way to do that. But I love comic books. I also love board games. And I know what you're thinking. Monopoly and... Like categories, well, they're fine, but I have about 50 board games, and I love all of them, and I have a big collection for the youth ministry here as well in the galaxy, and I just enjoy teaching board games and playing board games, and it's been a hobby of mine for the last couple of years, and I've dove way into deep, and my wallet is not very happy along with my wife, I suppose. And a couple other things about me is I love sports. Uh, basketball is probably my favorite sport. I like the Cleveland Cavaliers because since I was like 16 years old, we would go up to those games because it was the closest, but I love the Steelers as well, really rooting for them to pull out a win and for the Browns to pull out a win today so we can make the playoffs. I, I, I really enjoy the Steelers. And another thing about me is although I love what I do as a youth pastor, and we're just being honest here, I've not always wanted to be a pastor of student ministries. Now, at first, maybe that's shocking, but really, if we think of kids, most of their dreams or their desires when they grow up, they're not a youth pastor. They want to be a policeman or a professional athlete or a professional singer or a famous actress or something, and I was no different. I had this giant dream that I wanted to perform someday, that I wanted to be in front of people, and I wanted to be a famous professional and I'm kind of delaying it because I'm a little embarrassed about what my dream was, so you can feel free to laugh at me because, again, we know each other a little bit now. But I wanted so bad to be a professional hip-hop dancer. Sure. 
And uh, the embarrassing part is I wasn't 8, 9, or 10. I was 24 years old when I had this dream. Yes, it, it's definitely a little embarrassing. You see, what was happening is I was watching this show called So You Think You Can Dance. And at the, the front of every show, it has that So You Think You Can Dance question mark. And I would always think, yes. I do think I can dance. I'm at the weddings doing the Macarena. I know what to do. I can do the cha-cha slide. I probably could dance. And I just really liked it. So I started watching YouTube videos of people dancing. And I was like, I could do this. I could maybe form a career out of this. I could be a professional dancer. Dumb. And so I decided, not that dance is dumb, but me dancing is probably kind of dumb. But what I did was I looked on the Googles and I found out that there is an adult hip-hop class in Pittsburgh on Saturday mornings right off the Camp Horn exit on 79, and so I signed up. And as I was walking to this class, I, I had to climb these, these big old stairs. I didn't know what to expect. I had never been in a dance studio before. So I opened the doors, and if you have never been in a dance studio or you've never watched a show Dance Moms, this is what it looks like. There's just mirrors everywhere so that, that you can see your dance moves as you're performing them so you can kind of critique yourself. There's mirrors everywhere. And then I met my instructor who, again, I didn't expect this to be my instructor, but who I met was the buffest, most intimidating Russian lady that I had ever met. Her name was Olga. Okay, well, it wasn't actually Olga, but for this story, her name was Olga, but she was very Russian. And as I walk in, she looks at me and says, do you want to dance? And I was like, I do. And so I, I go and she starts teaching me all these different styles in hip hop. Who knew there was more than just hip hop? And so she taught me the first one was crump. It was her favorite one because it's the most aggressive one where you're like stomping the ground and like punching and like, like hitting yourself. It's weird. And she told me that the first step of it is you have to have something called a stank face. And so a stank face is like, picture yourself walking into a summer camp cabin for sixth grade boys, and you smell body odor mixed with Axe body spray, and your face just kind of does one of like, oh, that's gross. That's a stank face. So you would do that, and you would dance. She also taught me this thing called tutting, which comes from like the Egyptian tutting, where you would just like make right angles with your body and stuff. And so we did that, and then we did waves, which I thought was kind of cool because it was like our first lesson, um, or the end of that first day, because we did crump. We did tutting, and then we finally did like waves, which I thought like I could bring to any wedding that I go to and be like, hey, look at me. I'm like water. And, uh, and I thought that was super neat. And so I loved what I was learning so much so that I went home to where I was living at my dad's house. And I know I'm looking more and more cool to you as I go. And I set up my own dance studio in my dad's basement. I had mirrors lining the whole thing, just body mirrors that I set up so that I could watch myself practice. And then I began to even do more. I looked on YouTube, and you can learn how to do anything on YouTube. You can learn how to change a spark plug, whatever those are. Or you could learn how to dance. And so I learned from this guy who was much whiter than me, believe it or or not about how to do the robot, which I was so excited for because you know the robot. Like every dad does that on the dance floor at a wedding. Once the sprinkler gets too hard, they just stand there doing that. But like there's a cool way to like like make yourself look like a robot. So I was like, I'm gonna learn this. So I like did, did all the classes online and then I went to Olga one day and I was like, Olga, I gotta show you something. I made it my own dance routine. And so as I, I showed her afterwards, she was like, Alex, you dance very good. And I was like, yes. I'm going to make it. Guys, I'm going to be a professional dancer. And two weeks later, I was going to a wedding, and I thought, this is my opportunity. I'm going to show up, and I'm going to show everyone how good of a dancer I now am. I did the crump. I did the tut. I did my waves. I did the robot. And 
to my surprise, no one recorded me on YouTube and put me in I, on the line, and I didn't get famous. However, that did not distract me from my goal. So I go home, and I keep practicing, keep going to classes, until Olga tells me that she's quitting, that she's going to move to New York to pursue a professional dance career or whatever. And so I decided to quit class because I didn't think that I would have someone that was as intimidating or would fill me with Rocky Ford-level fear. You know, if you've ever seen Rocky Ford, if he dies, he dies. That was like a scary, motivating thing for me. And so I decided to quit, and I would just learn from the online stuff by myself. For the next several months, I just would go downstairs in my dad's basement practice, night after night, getting better and better. Until one day, I realized, as I looked at myself in the many mirrors that I had set up, that I was no closer to becoming a Pittsburgh Steeler than I was to becoming a professional dancer. In fact, what I was in that moment was just a 24-year-old man doing the robot in his dad's basement. And let me tell you, nobody wants to be that. And so I decided to quit my dream. I gave it up, and I went back into youth ministry, which I still love to this day. However, there are still moments where I feel a little unsettled about my life, where I feel like I'm missing something, that I'm not tapping fully into what I was created to do. And I don't believe that I'm alone in this. I think as people, we experience this feeling, the sensation of being unsettled, and we fill it with hobbies or things, a new car, or a new job, or a new relationship. We constantly are searching for what else is out there. That's why we continue to purchase things. That's why my board game collection isn't one. I feel unsettled. I want 50, and we continue doing that because we want to fill this hole we have in us. Unfortunately, none of those things are going to solve the problem. So I began looking and praying and asking God to reveal to me why I had this unsettled nature, and God gave me some of his words to share today, and I'm really excited to do that. But before we get to that, can we pray? Dear God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for speaking into my life, and I pray that right now that you would just take over. Allow your spirit to just speak through me. Allow it just to be your words and not mine. I pray that our hearts and our minds will be open to be challenged to live differently from here on forward. We love you and pray this in your son's name. Amen. So in order to find out how we tick or how we're wired, I believe we need to go to the creator, to the source. And very much like when I do open a new board game, I don't just empty it on the ground and move the pieces around without purpose. I go to the manual and I start at the beginning. And in the beginning, God created humans. Created Adam first and then Eve. And they were created in the Garden of Eden. Now, if we just look at the definition of garden and Eden, garden means a surrounding or a covering or a protection. And Eden means pleasure or delight. So we can see that Adam and Eve were created in an environment surrounded and protected by the pleasure and being of who God is. They were created in this environment that they were surrounded and protected consistently by God. They got to walk with him and talk with him and see his whole being. They got to see his presence. And oftentimes his presence is defined as his glory. And so when I found that out, I started researching glory. And I found this book. It's called The Glory of God by a man named Guillermo Maldonado, who wins the award for coolest name today. And so Guillermo defines the glory of God as simply this, eternity revealed on earth. The glory of God is simply eternity, heaven, revealed here on this earth. So Adam and Eve, as they lived in the Garden of Eden, they got to experience what heaven will be like someday, fully in God's presence. Anytime God's supernatural or spiritual nature or being crosses over in our physical or natural realm, that 
is glory. And so they got to experience that night and day. They would talk to him, and they would see amazing things happen. In the cool of the day, they would just walk with God and fully embrace his glory. But the good news today is it was not just designed for Adam and Eve to experience. God designed it for all of us. And that's my main point today. That's the one thing that I want to share with us so that we can take home and hopefully ride around in our brain, not just today, but in the year ahead. And the take home point is simply this. God created men and women to live and to walk in his glory. He created me and you to live and walk in his glory daily. And Adam and Eve got the pleasure of that. Can you imagine what it would be like seeing supernatural things happen every day, talking to God, knowing that it's his voice and not just maybe a feeling that we have inside us so we could really hear and experience God. Unfortunately, this would not last. Adam and Eve eventually would rebel against God. God asked them not to eat from a certain tree, and when they did it, they broke this relationship that God had. Because you see, God is perfect. 100% perfect. His heaven is 100% perfect. His nature, his glory is perfect. There's no fault in it. So while Adam and Eve were perfect, they could dwell fully in the perfection of God. But as soon as they broke that, as soon as they were no longer perfect, they couldn't fully encounter God like they were designed to do. They couldn't enter into his presence 100% anymore. So they were cast out of the garden. They were removed because of the sin in their life, and sin is simply just anything that is against the will of God. And as fun as it would be just to blame Adam and Eve for everything that's happened, it's not them alone. Paul, this guy that was communing with God, talked to the church in Rome, and he would share this in Romans 3.23. He would say, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. For after all, his glorious standard the standard of his glory is perfection and nothing less. So all of us have this same struggle. We can't be perfect on our own. And so Adam and Eve lived outside of God's glory until they passed away and history continued to move. And people continued to struggle with this idea of not being perfect until one day we meet a guy named Moses who was not perfect in himself. He had a bunch of mistakes that he made as well. But God still showed him glimpses of his glory. At first, God called Moses to free the people of Israel from slavery, from the Egyptians. And he did that by showing glory. This amazing things happened, and it freed them from slavery. And then they were in the wilderness, in the desert. And God goes to Moses and speaks to him again and says, I have a big task to ask you. I know that removing them from slavery was a big task, but I got another one. I want you to take the whole nation the whole nation of Israel, who are already grumbling. They were free from slavery, but they're already complaining in the wilderness. I need you to take them, and I need you to bring them to the promised land. Now, I'm not going to tell you exactly where it is or how long it's going to take, or, or I'm not going to show you on a map, but I need you to take them. And Moses was fearful of this. He was scared to comply with God's request because he didn't know how he could possibly accomplish it. So he goes to God and asks for some help. And this story was recorded in the book of Exodus. And this is the exchange between Moses and God. And it says from Moses first, if you don't personally go with us, God, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For you, your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you and I know you 
by name. Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. Show me your glory. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will call out my name Yahweh before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose. And I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face. For no one may see me and live. This is because of the sin that was in our lives. The Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. But then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind. But my face will not be seen. Moses knew that if he was going to accomplish this huge task, if he was going to do what God was asking, he needed some spiritual, supernatural, glorious help. And if he would just see a glimpse of this glory, he knew that he could accomplish the impossible. So he just asked, God, show me your glory. And God responded in kind because it's part of his nature and it's how he created us. So he wanted to show us his glory. He just wanted Moses to ask. So as Moses asked, God was able to pass by. And Moses couldn't, couldn't see the fullness of God, but he saw a glimpse. But God didn't stop there. He told Moses, you're going to see more and more miracles, stuff that you could never even imagine. And I'm going to continue talking with you. So Moses and God would communicate, would speak. And after they would talk, Moses, his face would glow with the glory of God. Almost like how the moon reflects the light of the sun, Moses' face would reflect the glory of God. And so he would leave God's presence and walk to his people, the Israelites. And as he would do that, they would be scared when Moses appeared. They would look at the glory and be fearful. And they were that way because their sin made them scared of even approaching the glory. So Moses would wear a veil, separated the people from the glory, but it kept them not being scared and it kept them alive. And so until the glory faded away, the veil was worn. So Moses did not get to see the fullness, but he got to see a glimpse of the glory. And as history continued and Moses passed away, people continued to live outside of the promised glory, outside of heaven on earth, outside of this Eden, until God decided to rectify what had happened. He looked at us and he saw that we had made our mistake for us. We took what was perfect and we broke it. Very much like growing up, I would always get toys like Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles and Transformers. And the day after Christmas, I'd bring them to my dad with the head falling off or the arm or the wheel disconnected and be like, dad, can you fix what I broke? And my dad would. God looked at us the same way and said, they're my children and I'm going to fix the problem that they made for themselves. So what he decided to do was send Jesus Christ to this earth, his one and only son. And Jesus was 100% man, 100% God. So there was no separation between Jesus and God. They could commune perfectly because Jesus was perfect. Jesus is perfect. And as he did his ministry on this earth, he got to know a man named John who he was training up as one of his disciples. And John decided to write a book about Jesus, letting us know what Jesus did and what he said. And when he started this book, he described Jesus this way. So the word, meaning Jesus, became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the Father's one and only Son, you see, because Jesus is perfect and he completely can interact with God and their relationship is united, what God was saying through John is that Jesus is the glory of God on earth. He embodies heaven 
in himself. Jesus is the glory of God. On this earth, he was heaven, and he was able to show it to people. So as he lived, he did miraculous things, supernatural, spiritual things in our natural, physical realm. That is glory. And so Jesus went around, and he turned water into wine. He walked on water. He told the seas to calm down when they had huge waves. He would go and multiply food by the thousands. He would heal people, the deaf and the blind, and the mute, and the lame, and the leper, and he would even raise people from the dead. There's one time named, a guy named Lazarus was dead for four days. Jesus just simply went up to him and said, arise and be alive, and he did. It happened. Lazarus woke up, and like nothing had happened was alive. This is glory, and not only that, but Jesus showed us forgiveness and mercy and kindness that the world had never experienced before the Well, until after the Garden of Eden, rather, this was glory. His goal was to show us his glory here on earth, and he even prayed about it. He said, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And heaven on earth, after all, is glory. So he's asking to show people. He would talk about it, and he would say, This is how you can bring the the glory of God, the kingdom of heaven to earth. This is what it's going to look like. This is how your lives are going to be affected. And then he would pray again. And John recorded this. He would pray about his disciples, but all believers. And he would simply say, I have given them, all of us, the glory you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus saw that our relationship was shattered with God. No longer could we be fully in his presence, that we couldn't speak with him like we were destined to. So Jesus took it upon himself to fix this situation. After his ministry was done, he would be betrayed and arrested and beaten and humiliated and put on a cross. And on that cross, he took all the sins that have ever happened on his own shoulders from Adam and Eve till the end of time. He took the sins that we committed yesterday and today and tomorrow, and he took all of them on and he died with them as a sacrifice for all of our sins. And he did this for a purpose, to remove any kind of barrier between God and us. Jesus removed by his death, Jesus removed the barrier between God and us. He removed it between his glory and us. No longer was there able to be a veil. He took the veil and he ripped it us and he threw it away. And he said that no longer are you going to be separated from God. All you have to do is give your lives to me because after he died, three days later, he rose from the dead and he defeated death and sin with that action. We just sang about it. When he rose, he changed everything. He set things right. And simply what he asked us to do is give our lives to him. Later on, Paul, who encountered Jesus on the road, but also knew all about Moses in the old ways, would talk about this veil being torn. And he said, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, just like Moses did. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Beginning of that, where it says, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is removed is so important. Pastor Chris often defines repentance as simply turning away from something. In this case, it would be turning away from sin and our life, or our own life, and turning it over to Jesus. And if we give our lives over to Jesus as Lord, which means owner, 
And Savior means, means rescuer from sin and death. That veil is taken away. And we now can experience full glory. We can now live in how we were created to live. And after I found this out this summer, I began praying a simple prayer. God, show me your glory. Show me it like you showed Moses, but show me even fuller now because the veil is removed. Show me your glory. And can I tell you what happened? Two stories. The first one started a couple years ago. I was in a cabin and I was praying to God and I was asking him about our youth ministry and what it's going to look like in the future. And he gave me his words, which is glorious in itself, because I don't often hear God's voice speaking to me. And so as I heard God's voice, he said, right now you have youth group Tuesday nights for junior hires, Sunday nights for senior hires. But when this new building is going to be built, it wasn't even started yet. When the galaxy is going to be built, we didn't know the name of it yet. What's going to happen is you're going to combine the two groups together on Tuesday nights. They're going to work at the same time but separate. Senior high that building, junior high this building. I didn't know exactly how it worked, but it was God speaking, so started to prepare, started to get ready, started to think about it. The beginning of this year, again, I heard God speak. And he said, September 11th. September 11th is the day where this is going to kick off. And so, okay, all right, let's do it. In my earthly mind, what I thought that meant was that the building would be built at the end of the spring, maybe May or June, and we would kind of wade into the pool of change because change is a little scary. We would try it out, and we would show it to the youth and to the adults, the leaders, and eventually, September 11th, we'd have all the problems worked out, and we would launch in this full launch. It would be great. However, the building wasn't built in May. And it wasn't finished in June or July or August. And September 10th happened. And we still weren't able to use that building. But God continued to say, September 11th, tomorrow is the day the youth are going to be here. And it's going to open up. We're going to use this building, which we were nervous about because we continued to fail time after time inspections. And so the good news was there was an inspector coming on September 11th. He's going to be there at some time, whenever he felt like it. And if he passed the inspection for us, and he also did a secondary inspection that he normally doesn't do, and he comes in enough time for us to get ready that whole building that was empty for youth group, we possibly could have it. So the day comes, and God keeps saying, yep, it's going to happen. Don't worry. It's going to happen. And late in the afternoon, Pastor Chris called us down as a staff and said, we passed. We're able to use the building. We've got about three hours. Let's go. And so we worked, and volunteers came, and staff were here, and we, we filled that building up. And just that night, three hours later, God showed up, and his glory was evident. We got to see 95 students from Saxonburg show up that very night for the grand opening of the building. And that is glory. And so that was amazing. So I kept praying, God, show me more glory. Show me more of it. And a couple months later, I found myself in Vietnam. I had no idea that I was going to be in Vietnam this year, but I was at a conference with missionaries from around the world. And there's one day where we were praising God, and I look around, and I see people singing praises to God in different languages, in spiritual tongues, in English, and it was amazing. But then I saw healings and prophecy and amazing, glorious events happening all around me. And it hit me. My goosebumps had goosebumps. This is glory. This is heaven on earth. This is what it's going to be like someday when we die, when we have people from all time and all places worshiping God in the throne room. This is heaven here. But the good news is that God doesn't just show us his glory overseas. A lot of times we think that, I think that at least, that miracles happen when people are on mission trips. And they certainly do. 
I think it's because missionaries generally have that figured out where God is their Lord. They've given everything to him. They rely on him for their next meal, their next breath. They leave their safety, their security behind to go and do whatever God wants. So God shows them his glory because that's how he designed us to, to be. And so that's what happens overseas, but it's not just there. God's been showing his glory here in Saxonburg. So let me tell you a little bit about 2018 because I believe it was a year filled with glory because we have a staff that is full of glory chasers. We have volunteers that desire to see the glory of God. So in our town of Saxonburg, which was about 2,000 people. Every week here, we had 857 people a week in Saxonburg. That's crazy. We need supernatural spiritual help to have that happen. We also had 373 first-time guests. Where are they coming from? This is all God. We had 31 people be baptized. We had 97 people go on mission trips all around the world. They got to experience glory and salvation and healing and amazing things. We had 87 kids a week since we opened the new building, and this is the big one. We had 100, 100 people this year give their lives to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Amen. Yeah, 100 people that are not going to hell, that experience heaven on this earth and for eternity. That is glory. But we're not done, and God's certainly not done showing us his glory. You see, Moses was fearful because he had a huge task ahead of him. Bring the people to the promised land. God has given us a huge task as well. At New Life, whether it's the youth or the children or the worship or the church at large, we exist to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus with the world. The world! One person at a time. That's a big task. In order to accomplish that, we need some glory. We need some supernatural help. But could you imagine with me for a second what it would look like if 857 people a day started to ask to see the glory of God, to start asking for more of it, more healing and more salvation and more first-time guests and more dead rising from the grave and more tongues and more amazing, glorious events happening. God's going to deliver because it's his nature to do it. If we ask for it, he's going to deliver more and more and more. It's how we were created. So for us as people, Let's stop living unsettled lives. Let's stop living lives that are as glorious as a 24-year-old man doing the robot in his dad's basement. Let's begin living lives that God designed us to live fully in his presence. Let's get that veil out of there. Give our lives to Jesus as Lord and Savior and live fully in his presence. And if you'd like to do that with me this year, this is the next step. It says, I will ask God to show me his glory Every day. If we do that, God's going to deliver. He's ready to deliver. He wants to show us his glory. He's been ready since the beginning of time. So let's simply do what Moses did and ask to receive the glory. And God's going to deliver. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for who you are. I pray that as we go out today, that we will see miraculous things happen. We will witness supernatural events. We will be in your glory. We'll move from one glory to the next. God, I thank you so much for what you did in the lives of, of me and, and other people over in Vietnam, but I pray that it will come home to Saxonburg, that we will consistently see miraculous glory happening here time after time. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for sending him on the cross to die for our sins, and I pray that if anyone is in here that has not given their life to Jesus as Lord and Savior, that right now they'll do the same thing, saying, just God, be my Lord. God, be my Savior. Transform our lives today. We praise you and we thank you. And 
pray this all in your son's name.